Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Delete. Today's guest is with Chelsea Kowachi, a history graduate from Cambridge University and the author of the book Taking Up Space, co-authored with her friend and fellow author Aura Ugambi. And the book really digs deep in tackling issues of accessibility, unrepresentative curriculums, race and discrimination within university spaces. Taking Up Space is the second title from Murky Books, which is a partnership between Penguin and Stormzy. And Stormzy has actually announced as well that he is funding two Cambridge scholarships for black students in the UK. While at Cambridge, Chelsea was the only black girl in her year group of over 200 people studying history, and it made it a very difficult environment to navigate. So this is what the book is about. You should definitely buy a copy. It is really brilliant. It's full of stories from Chelsea and aura and you really get a sense of their voice their writing but also full of statistics and research and it's also full of anecdotes and stories from lots of different voices that they have pulled together for this book Chelsea is currently studying at the University of Law in preparation for her training contract with a city law firm that starts in 2020 next year in London. So she's extremely busy. It's very inspiring to see someone work so hard and have a book come out alongside a million other things. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Please do rate or review the podcast as usual if you enjoyed it. And I will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thrilled to have you as a guest. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Congratulations on your amazing book. I wanted to just ask you, because it's such a lovely opening, like with the letters, and also when you paint this picture of when you come down the stairs and your dad's like celebrating with his friends and they're like popping bottles and giving you money and they're celebrating you getting into Cambridge University, which is such an incredible milestone. And I just wondered how much work goes into like that point? Like, Because I guess that's the moment where everyone's celebrating, yeah. but how did it feel like getting to that point? I remember that a few weeks before I actually got the offer and the celebrations, because you're so right, I think for most people, they just kind of see the end point when you are celebrating. But the journey before that was, if anything, like near traumatic. It was so hard. Mm. I remember breaking down to my mum and my sister saying, I just physically can't do it anymore. Like the pressure was immense. I felt like everybody was rooting for me, but in a way that I didn't really know how to deal with the pressure, if I'm being completely honest. But it is quite nice to look back and see the the celebrations and how happy my parents were, because I think if anything, like it was definitely worth it. But a lot of hard work goes goes into that experience. And I, I think we need to talk about that a lot more. Yeah, because I think it's kind of hidden away behind the scenes, isn't it? Because you kind of get your head down and we all know what it's like doing the exams. And it always, it feels very like step by step, doesn't yeah. it? And then suddenly when you reach the goal, it's like, whoa, I've done it. But then you've got like more steps. Yeah. But you're still in at uni now. Exactly. How, yeah. how are you feeling with your like coming up your next year? I think surprisingly a lot better because if anything, like my undergraduate degree definitely taught me how to deal with the pressure, how to work smart and enjoy myself a lot alongside my degree. And I think I've definitely been able to do that now. So I'm at law school at the minute. I've just finished my first year and I've got my second year coming up. And then I start full time work. But it's been, <laughs> but it's been, you know, a really interesting and in- insightful experience because, yeah, I've been able to enjoy myself, which is, which is good. good. Like, that's good. what university should be about and, you know, making new friends and socializing. So I am actually really enjoying it. One thing that I really love about your book, and there's so much in there, it's like a memoir style, but mixed with like yeah. a lot of research, which is so, I love those books. But 
one thing that really stood out to me was just this, like you talking about identity and what that means and like how complex it is and how we're all so many different things at once. We're all so like complicated and layered. And I just, I kind of wondered like, how was that writing about other people trying to put you in boxes all the time or other people trying to like pin you down and put an identity onto you? Yeah. And I think this is probably the most frustrating thing that Ori and I found was that I think everybody just has an idea of what your book should be like and you know even when we're doing press and we're going and we're talking to lots of different people there's always an understanding and like an agenda Mm. that we which personally I find really difficult to try and challenge because everything is so like tight you've got 10 minutes to maybe explain what your book is about but then you rarely get a chance to discuss how complex the book really is and you know the topics that we discuss they definitely deserve time but I think yeah in terms of identity that was something that I struggled with because still to this day I find it very complex and you know I talk about it in the book in that my identity wasn't just me like I see parts of my mum my dad my teachers the books that I've read the culture that I come from the food that I eat everything Mm. and I think exactly the same for Aura but then it was really hard when you now have publications or publishers who are like right this is a book about a traumatic experience for black girls within university and you think no 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 no. like that is it's so much more than that and we really want to get that across and I think yeah we spend a lot of time in the book kind of detailing what that experience is like it's not just oh one day I was having an amazing day and then the next day was really bad but actually at 2 p.m I could be having the best day than at 205 <laughs> yeah I could be having the absolute worst day such and- a weird human need that we feel like we have to package things up so neatly and it's yeah. like that's what your book does so well and that's what all books do I think yeah like that's why a book is a book and not like a podcast episode because exactly. it's like it has to explore so many different things yeah I also thought it was interesting how when you first arrived at Cambridge like everyone you know when it's like a blank canvas and you're all in the in a room and you're meeting people the first time people pick out defining characteristics whether it's like someone's got a really posh voice mm-hmm. or someone's race or where someone was born and it's like you really paint that picture of how like claustrophobic that can be as well yeah exactly because we're not just like what people think we are on the yeah. like what it says on the tin mm, and I think this is something that Aura talks about a lot this whole idea of imposter syndrome and I think again that's another word that or phrase rather that kind of gets battered around a bit but I've seen a lot of people now really delve into what that really means and if you go in into an environment where genuinely you are made to feel like an imposter because your environment tells you that you are it's something that stems away from yourself and you know you then start to realize I think especially being black or a woman or you know having a characteristic especially a visible characteristic as well you start to realize that wow maybe this isn't just me (laughs) I'm not you know the reason for this imposter syndrome but it is my environment that is literally telling me that I'm an imposter I think that's why the book was so necessary in that a lot of people just think oh university is a blank slate for everyone but actually you really need to go into the nuances of why that experience is different for everyone else and it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just a learning experience and I think like you just said there's a lot to learn from reading about the experiences definitely and and like you say like you're talking from a perspective that is different and people yeah. need to really understand that and I just found it really really interesting all the things that you're saying about imposter syndrome because as a reader of the book I'm thinking no no like you guys have worked so hard the other people there maybe they should feel the yeah. imposter <laughs> 
I don't know. I just I have more I actually have more <laughs> respect for people who have genuinely tried rather than been to a private school where they've had like yeah. twenty different mentors to get them there. I know, and I think when you're in that environment you can definitely tell. And I think that for me, coming from a state school and I did get help from my teachers, as expected, I think of you know, any student would expect to get help from their teachers at least. But yeah, speaking to other people and realizing that some teachers had written their personal statements and they had had workshops and they had tons of interview practice and I remember going to my interview with my sister and thinking that right the way to get into Oxbridge was to look a certain way was to sound a certain way I had my hair slicked back (laughs) I wore like my glasses I had on like a really ill-fitting dress and blazer (laughs) and kind of you know going to Hogwarts (laughs) like must fit in (laughs) I was like right this is this is what I need to look like and then yeah I mean going to my interview and obviously I got in and in the end but I can't sit here and be like, yeah, I was 100% myself because I just had this perception that's of that's just what I needed to be like and perform like to get in. But yeah, you're completely right, completely right in terms of imposter syndrome and just kind of navigating that, especially as a young, young black girl as well. It was really tough. With promoting the book and talking about the book, I just Mm. wondered, does it take its toll sometimes having to like talk about this topic over and over again with people? I feel like there might be people out there who, I don't know, say the wrong thing or just um, assume it's not a big deal. or do you find like sometimes it's nice to have a break from the topic or how have you been kind of dealing with the intensity of promoting like this topic constantly and do you know what that is the first time somebody has ever asked me that question as in has just sat back and been like how are you (laughs) in terms of your mental health and feeling like you have to talk about this 24 7 so thank you But on a serious note, yeah, I think it does massively take its toll, especially in terms of just feeling like you're very accessible all of a sudden. I think people constantly want to pick your brains and find out what you think about this topic. And obviously, maybe rightly so, have have the assumption that this is your life's work and you're very passionate, which I will never deny. Like, I am super passionate, but if I'm out having dinner... Or just, you know, chilling. I don't really want to talk about why Cambridge is racist and, you know, we need to radically and fundamentally just revolutionise our education system. Mm -hmm. But I do think it takes its toll, uh, especially in terms of you want to have in-depth conversations as well. And sometimes, I don't know, people, not necessarily people, but networks and outlets, they don't allow for that. And they really try to push this agenda that if we're going to talk about Black students, for example, it has to be about the trauma, um, how they've had an awful time. And Mm. I don't think there's much room to talk about. Actually, do you know what? Sometimes we do have a great time and within the midst of maybe bad things that do happen, we are students at the end of the day. And like we want to talk about our degrees, what we've learned. And we're very complex and interesting people. But sometimes people don't really want to hear about that. They, They do genuinely want to hear about how you've had a rubbish time mm-hmm. well, which is <laughs> I don't, I don't want you sad. to have a rubbish time but I just wanted I just wanted to ask because I also saw a few tweets as we all do flying yes. around which made me really think and I know that the words diversity and inclusivity are like bandied around yes um in your book like genuinely hits a nail on the head of like what we need to do and there's like mm. loads of like next steps and I'm like wow you guys at university I can't believe it's like down to you to like tell people what to do because you know people are just like not getting it right someone said like we will have reached like a good point when depending on the person they can write about whatever they want Mm. and so not they don't necessarily need to get published because of like a hot angle which apparently is like diversity now 
I just wondered what you thought about that. No, I completely agree. And I think it comes down to editors, publishers, in some respects, maybe authors as well, to have an understanding that diversity in public publishing doesn't necessarily always mean the trauma of black people, the trauma of women or any other kind of minority. I think that's super important in just realising that, like I said, we are complex and I think we should have the ability to maybe be commissioned or to be kind of celebrated for writing anything, not things that necessarily have to pertain to identity politics all the time. I guess it's undeniable that your identity will come into anything. So like the way we see the world let's if, we, if we're being really basic about it but yeah genuinely like the day that maybe I could just write about ketchup <laughs> and not feel like I have to like put a spin on it about the relationship between ketchup and being a black woman I think that might be a sense and, a, and I guess an example of where we're heading in terms of things getting better yeah. in terms of publishing and things like that it's really interesting your book just made it was just so eye-opening and i and you kind of read books thinking you think you know things and then you think mm, no <laughs> did, did not know that but one of the stats that really jumped out at me was around the barriers to entry because like you just talk about that in such a brilliant way and yeah. how people might think you know sitting at home like oh everything's fine but eight percent eight percent of university students globally yeah. are black students it's not i know very good <laughs> And that's the thing, I think, especially when we were researching the book, Aura and I were just hit with so many stats and facts. I think at the same time, we were like, yeah, we know it all. We've had these conversations endless. Like, we talk about this stuff every single day. And then when you're hit with the data and the statistics, you really do think, like, wow. And I think for us, taking up space was just about, okay, how can we now get people to really understand like what this feels like? I think it's very easy to talk about it and we hear it from politicians or like the vice chancellor of a university, but you'll never hear it from the students about what that feels like, what that, you know, smells like, all of the, you know, like senses. And I think that makes a massive difference, kind of walking into a room and literally being the only black person in the room. That definitely takes its toll mm. and I think we've just really wanted people to understand and kind of visualize that yeah absolutely and the book the book really really does that and actually I forgot to ask you on the publishing theme yes. <laughs> so it's murky books yeah which is Stormzy's imprint I know. and I'm just I mean <laughs> I do love the acknowledgements of the book just like thanks Stormzy yeah. but genuinely how how was that the most incredible experience and I think Stormzy as an individual and just as a person even being associated with his name like is just amazing mm. he has done so much but I mean not just for us as an aura and I but I think kind of looking forward as well and just planting the seeds and I think what's nice for him is that his support is very authentic and genuine but you can tell that like this is almost he's creating like <laughs> Stormzy's world <laughs> but in a but in a great way in that I do feel like for a lot of young people now they really look up to him and they look and they see right we can do this and there are visible figures and examples of people who are doing things that we might be interested in but he's been great like he has been absolutely incredible did I read that he has set kind of pe paid for sponsorship for for students yeah so at Cambridge University, so this started last year, he um, sponsored two young black students to basically 
go to Cambridge wow. University. Um, so that's not just tuition fees, but also maintenance fees as well, which I think, especially for well, me, that was a massive barrier in terms of going to university, knowing that tuition fees were, were paid by the government, but actually living and knowing that we didn't have maintenance grants anymore. We had fees that would have to be paid. Mm-hmm. So having essentially all expenses paid will help these students so much. And I think what's brilliant about it is that it's not like Cambridge have been like right we're reserving two spaces for these two students to come to Cambridge but rather you know the black students who get in they then apply and yeah they might be in for a chance to get this scholarship which I think is brilliant it's it's so amazing and it really raises awareness of the barriers to entry which is really really important I think and if it if it means Stormzy his name like getting all the retweets and stuff it's Mm. just like well at least then it's just kind of becoming more apparent that it's a problem. Because in the book, I love how it's like speckled with kind of quotes from people you know Mm. or just people you've met. I don't know if some of them were friends or were they kind of... Friends, friends of friends. I think people who we just knew in the university sphere who were doing things like, I think, Going to university, you just really recognise that it can be a bit of a bubble. But often when you come outside of that bubble, you get a lot of people who say, oh, well, like in the real world, this would happen here. In the real world, this will happen like this. But I found the university space to be really radical in the sense that students were really fighting for things that they found super important. I mean, Ori and I similar as well doing the same things but we found students and student unions and societies really challenging the university and I think a lot of people don't really hear about that side of university bearing in mind this is all alongside your degree (laughs) and you just trying to get by as a regular student you almost feel this immense duty to fight these systems that are so entrenched which takes guts yeah We have to be so brave. Very, very, very brave. I love Um, young people. Yeah, (laughs) same. (laughs) I'm 30 now, so I feel like I can be like, oh, the youngins. But genuinely, like that energy and that determination and just like the kind of crystal clear view of like, this is not right Mm -hmm. or what can we do? We just need... I mean, it's kind of clear, isn't it, right now that we've got like a... How old is she? 16, Greta Thunberg, like basically leading the charge. Exactly. I can't believe we're kind of needing that amount of help Mm -hmm. from from younger people, what we do. But you're so right. Like that energy is just something that especially for me and I think when there were times where it did take a toll and I was really tired or or the same where we'd always get invited to give workshops or give talks and do this and actually you had like an essay due the next day or you needed to go to a lecture it was really hard but it was nice to kind of look across to other students who were still actively fighting every single day like that was so admirable and definitely opened up for both of us like our vocabulary about student activism and like why these things are really important for us I think for a lot of people you'll read taking up space close the book oh you know that was a good book I learned a lot but for us that as soon as you close the book it it still continues like Mm -hmm. this is our lives and it's something that we'll we'll be fighting for the rest for the rest of our time Mm. gosh it sounded a bit deep but it's it's true (laughs) it's true I mean you must get asked this a a lot but how did you write a book whilst like studying at a university like Cambridge? I mean, I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we had just finished Cambridge. I was just about to start law school and Ore had just moved to New York for Columbia Journalism School. So we were both very busy. But I think genuinely 
we had each other. And I know that sounds really cliche, but in terms of supporting and just always boosting one another, that really helped like massively. So the way Taking Up Space works is that we alternate chapters. So Oro, for example, talks about activism and I talk about mental health and we speak about loads of different things. But just during the writing process, we both cross edited, for example, would give suggestions. So I think that massively helped in just helping one another (laughs) to get through the process. I was going to ask you about that, actually, because Mm. your friendship is such a beautiful thing, like kind of throughout the book. And it's just lovely because who doesn't want to just see people lifting each other up? And you, there is a chapter, I think, called Black Sisterhood. And just in general, like being supportive of each other, I I, I think it shouldn't be a rare thing. But I think when you read the news and you can see people like tearing each other down online so much, I loved that reminder of, no, you can have this like unbreakable bond with someone. (laughs) And I just wondered how was that working with a friend on technically like a work project? Yeah. Any advice? So we... So we actually had a bit of practice because in final year, Oro was president of the African Caribbean Society and I was vice president. But this was quite different in the sense that, yeah, we were writing a book and things got pretty stressful very quickly. But a top tip, which actually worked really well, we divided our chats. So we had WhatsApp for like fun, (laughs) friendship things, like if we wanted to talk about something or like choose what we were going to wear to an event. And then we had iMessage for book-related stuff. That's so good. Which actually worked pretty well. So I think that helped in kind of just knowing the divide between work and friendship, which was really important because we didn't want to stress each other out. And I think knowing that we obviously had the book alongside, let's say, for example, my law exams or when Aura had to report on a story... We just wanted to keep that divide. But we ended up working really well. And I think that was like a good test of our friendship. But even now during all the press stuff and just talking about the book. And it is nice because even having this conversation now, I think, wow, we, we do have a really strong and good relationship. And I really value that. It is lovely. It's I do so love her. Nice. <laughs> oh, you guys. And like in the acknowledgements as well. Yeah. I, by the way, I love an acknowledgement <laughs> section. I don't know why, but I get really kind of... I think publishing a book is is such a special thing. Yeah. It takes so much work and dedication. And when you read at the end, like all the thank yous, it's yeah. like, you guys, <laughs> you got each other through it. Did you know when you first, when you guys first met each other, like, was it kind of like an instant friendship or? Yeah, it's, oh, it's weird because we almost call it like our love story (laughs) in that we met at this careers event, which in the grand scheme of things is very random, just in terms of like, I wasn't interested in that sort of stuff and, or I managed to go to the event by chance. So we went to this event and we were all sitting around the table and everybody was just talking about which universities they'll go to, this and that. And then it was there that we both found out that we were going to Cambridge. So I thought, oh, okay, like it'd be good to keep contact. At least I'll go. Cause I didn't, I didn't know anybody else who was going. I was the only one from my school. So I thought, okay, it'll be nice to go. And I, I will at least, at least know mm-hmm. one person and then yeah just think from there our personalities are interesting because they're quite different but they mesh really well like she is very energetic loud life of the party and I'm the same but in a more toned (laughs) down (laughs) way in the sense that I tend to maybe sit back and listen a bit more and then say what I need to say but in terms of the book, for example, as well, and just like our everyday relationship, 
it tends to work really well. So, it's yeah. so nice. It's like a nice little marriage. It's <laughs> lovely when a collaboration works like yeah. that. Because I think we're, we're really in this culture of like freelance solo working and actually yes. it can get really lonely and to have someone to bounce ideas off and be your friend at the end of the day yeah. is just so lovely. But you talk a lot about mental health and I, th- I think that's so, so important because mm. I went to Southampton Uni and um, I can say that I hadn't ever been down in the dumps like I was at university before mm. like I I was pretty happy pretty good school experience yeah. um you know had family around where I lived and then went to university and like there were days where I just like didn't want to leave my room like I, I just was really hit by feeling like just a bit out of my comfort zone and yeah it wasn't a good time and I got out of it and it was fine I did the three years but a lot of people struggle, don't they? And again, this is an interesting topic because I do feel like it is coming to light a bit more, but again, not as nuanced as it should be. I personally feel like not enough suggestions are also being given as well because especially when writing this chapter, it was really important for me to recognise that, yes, as a black woman, potentially my mental health, in terms of addressing it and finding solutions, that was probably a lot harder but realizing that actually the university environment in general is just awful it is really bad and everyone is suffering and I think if anything that was like the most urgent chapter throughout the whole book because students make the fabric of the university environment and I think for us being on the ground and maybe you know on a more localized level kind of seeing your friend really upset like not being able to get out of bed you haven't seen them in the few days That was terrifying. That was so scary. And I think when you kind of level it up a bit and you go to the higher ranks of the university chain, people just don't tend to see that. Like the vice chancellors or the structures of the university just don't tend to see that kind of localised, very, you know, low level, personalised level of how much students are suffering. But it was really tough, really tough. And I think I found it difficult because I didn't really know who to talk to. I think that's why I found that chapter so, well, just difficult to read, but more because I was just like wanting to give you a hug. But (laughs) I I think that's why I kind of thought about myself. And then I thought about, wow, and I didn't have the structural stuff going on. And also the fact that essentially it is like a racist environment in many ways. Mm. Like I was just like, if I felt that way and I didn't have any of those things, how did this person feel? Exactly. And I think a lot of it did stem from, especially for me as well, feeling helpless in that situation, knowing that, right, me as one person, I don't even feel like I can begin to change this. And probably knowing that actually, do you know what, there's somebody else who's feeling exactly the same. And yeah, just feeling helpless in that situation definitely didn't help. Mm-hmm. But you're right in terms of knowing that this is something that is so huge and just knowing that was really overwhelming. Because mm. when I... When I don't think I had face. Oh no, I had Facebook. Mm. I think that's the only thing I had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we like added each other on groups, and it was like I'm in these halls, yeah. and you like befriend some random people who you hoped like weren't really weird. <laughs> but like, has social media helped in some way to kind of connect in those lonely moments? Or yeah, and I think especially at Cambridge. And I I can guarantee that there are other universities that have this as well. There were loads of support groups on, you know, Facebook. Or you could be in like a group chat, Twitter, things like that. And I think people just actually vocalising and actually just writing how they felt, that was a massive source of comfort. Just to read and be like, I actually really feel the same. And people would give suggestions in the comments. Or there was this group on Facebook where people just 
posted their problems, for example. And people would, if they didn't have a suggestion, they'll just be like, oh, solidarity. Like, I, I really resonate with this. If you need help, like, here's my number. So just having those those spaces was really important. So yeah, I think social media can be good in that sense. Naturally, it can easily go the other way as well. When I tried to use social media for that purpose, yeah, I tried to keep it on the nice side, yeah, <laughs> basically. Definitely. Like, steer it as much as I could control it and steer it towards that side but I think now especially today like using the mute and block button yeah my favorites I love mute because <laughs> you you're not upsetting anyone exactly not upsetting anyone that has massively helped my my mental health just in terms of just not seeing certain things or things that I know will upset me or make me feel like I'm not doing enough or yeah mute and block it's a good combo. <laughs> it's just crazy how human we all are because you can be doing all this stuff on paper. Yeah. Like your bio is insane. <laughs> and for you to be like, oh, I don't know if I'm doing enough today. It's like, what is going on? Yeah. Like something is so wrong with like our crazy society with like scrolling through other people's achievements constantly. What do you do to switch off away from all of the like work to do yeah. list stuff? I quite like walking, which again sounds very like normal, but... You'll be surprised actually just walking and no having no stimulation, like nothing fighting for your attention. You just walk. Mm. <laughs> that is a luxury <laughs> these days. I literally bought a book the other day <laughs> by this American author. It's called How to Do Nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, have I got to this point where I need to read a whole book reminding yeah. me how to do that? No. So difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Just the small things are just like now a luxury. But walking and just listening to music. And I think I've been learning a lot more to just spend time on my own. I like spending time with myself and not in like an antisocial way where, oh, like, don't talk to me. I just, oh, I'm, <laughs> I might want to spend like a day or like a couple of hours on my own. Go out to eat watch a film. I like my own company, which I think is nice and important. Just learning to be comfortable on your own. Yeah, good. I love that as yeah. well. Would you, would you say like you're in, an introvert or? I, I hate putting labels yeah, on things, no. but I guess recharging by yourself is. Yeah. And I'd say certain aspects of my personality. Yes. But if you put me in a social situation, I'll be fine. Like I am quite extroverted. So a bit of both really, but there will be times where my social battery just dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I bet you've been asked to do a lot of talks and workshops and panels and things like that. How are you dealing with that? Because I, as someone who has promoted a book that isn't, I would say, as like closely emotional as mm. this book is to you, as you say, people can read the last page and be like, oh, that was interesting. But yeah. this is your lived experience every single day. Have you put a cap on, on those or do you, how do you like make sure you're OK? Yeah, it can be really tough because I'm always of the opinion that I, I just want to do everything. And I think for a long time, I've always been a people pleaser. And I've always said, oh, I'd love to do this. This sounds really good. This sounds amazing. Then I realised, wow, I actually have a capacity and I physically and mentally can't do everything and anything. So I think it's really helpful that Aura and I will sit down and we'll kind of discuss what is good in terms of where do we feel like we would have a really good conversation, and, mm -hmm. you know, in which we can really talk about the book as opposed to maybe just having something that is surface level. And I think what's also really important for us is if we definitely feel like we don't fit the bill, we don't take the opportunity. And I think that is so important. So we always refer other people and say oh like this person is really cool and they've done this you should try reaching out to them and of course just like making sure it's a paid opportunity for them as well mm. but yeah I think for us if I we think don't in general the... more people could do that yes I mean <laughs> talking about all white 
panels, mm. especially one that was doing the rounds a while ago, which was like, I don't know if you saw it, but it was like talking about diversity in radio and it was like four white yeah. bold, bold men. <laughs> I did see it. <laughs> um, I did see it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there is, people need to kind of step aside. Yeah. And I, think, and I feel like that a lot. I, I sometimes feel like I really don't have anything to add here. Yeah. And you know what, but so do we as well. And I think it does take a certain type of person to be able to like maybe put their ego aside for one second and think, actually, do you know what? I don't know it all. I feel like that all the time and not in like a bad way where I'm kind of beating myself up about it. But actually, I don't know too much about this topic, but I definitely know someone who does. Mm. And you should reach out to them because I think they'd be great. That has been really important for us, just kind of passing on opportunities because there's loads to go around. We're not missing out in (laughs) in any way. That's Um, another really good side of the system. Sisterhood chat, really, mm. isn't it? Because yeah. the book is about taking up space, and you should be taking up as much space as possible. But you can also have the nuanced opinion of like, but that doesn't always mean me individually. Exactly. It's quite yeah. Yes, that was why it was important that we had lots of different Black women and non-binary people in the book as well, just talking about their versions of taking up space and their experiences. Because there are certain things that Aura and I can't speak on, and yeah, rightly so, because we haven't had that experience. But we know someone who has and then yeah they can talk about it if they feel comfortable enough to yeah oh my god I wish I was like (laughs) you when I was your age you're so so clever seriously thank you um (laughs) but with with the law degree that you're kind of carrying on because it's not an easy thing are you thinking in the future that you want to do more in publishing and also Mm. the you know this path that you're on or do you feel like you don't have to box yourself in yeah I'm thinking at the minute I'm still a bit torn. The writing book was really hard, but it was rewarding. Like like we said, it was it was so fun and the experience has been like incredible. But yeah, I do feel like oh I'm young, I've got I've got time and if I was to ever write a book with Aura or on my own, I feel like yeah, I definitely want to spend a lot of time just take it really easy, like not put pressure on myself. But I would love to write something like about my parents or like my family history because it's just something that I don't know a lot about and especially because I'm the youngest as well I just get the fear that one day that they're going to pass and I won't have anything to kind of pass down to like my nieces or nephews or if I choose to have kids or anything like that and just how like so much of our family history has been lost and I'd love to kind of start (laughs) recovering that and then at least make this a starting point and even if it's just for our own personal records like just to have that there that would be really lovely yeah so funny I was um randomly being distracted from doing my work the other day and came across this company who basically do like a desert island discs for a family member so you basically you can like interview them and like find these amazing things out about them and basically have like your parents in audio form forever I need that like it made me really emotional And I was like, we sometimes we don't. And I, I found this with like grandparents. Mm. Um, I feel like I asked them, I, uh, you know, the ones that aren't here anymore. I'm like, I definitely did ask you a lot. Yeah. But I was young. And now I'm like, was I properly listening? Exactly. And like, how will I remember? Because I don't have any grandparents left. Mm. So I didn't, I didn't know them. And that makes me sad in the sense that I've never really had that relationship. But also I didn't know anything about them, which just makes you think there's like a wealth of information out there that I just have no idea about and then when I hear little snippets from my mum and dad I'm just like oh my god wow (laughs) tell me more tell me more I kind of want that for my parents I think that would be really nice that would be amazing and isn't it true that like some things can skip a generation so you can you can end up being like 
basically facially a twin with yeah. like a grandparent <laughs> or you do something that they used to do or yeah, fascinating. Exactly. Yeah. That would be so interesting. Well, thank you so, so much. What have you got coming up for the rest of the year? It doesn't have to be work related. Just what are you excited oh. about for like the rest of 2019? I keep getting the date wrong. Oh, I think... Okay, it is work related, but I am excited for it. We have our Guardian Live event coming up. Oh, fun. which should be fun. That'll be really fun. Um, what's the, really what's the topic to that? So it's, it will be about taking up space, but again, like like this conversation, just having a nice in depth conversation about things that we don't really talk about. It should be good. Yay! Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you so much. That was really lovely.